Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Debrief with Pastor Matt Brown, where he is getting answers for you to your questions about the Bible and Christianity and culture. Uh, I'm Stephanie Schaefer. I get to fill in for Donna today and host our show. How you doing today, Pastor Matt? I'm good. I'm freaking you out. Yeah, just tell me yeah, ghost we're stories. Yeah, we ghost goes. stories. So one of my favorite ghost stories involves you. By the way, remember <laughs> that house we went to to exercise the ghost from the house? I do. That lady sent both Madison and Kennedy gifts oh, at their wedding that's to so say sweet. thank you because they haven't had any instances since we went there. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite Stephanie story. I know. I think you told it last time I was on the show. I feel like you've told it oh, recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephanie's like, well, what are we going to do if we see a ghost? I'm like, well, I don't have to outrun the ghost. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, but the part that scared me was then you got serious. And like, listen, but if something does happen in there, mm-hmm. just stand behind me. I'm like, oh, he thinks something could actually yeah. happen in here. I was joking around all day, like, oh, we're going to go see a ghost. I'm sure it's nothing. And then you said that. I was like, oh, this might yeah. actually be scary. It was a little scary. It wasn't terrible. It was spooky, yeah. Well, yeah. it's always weird to go into someone's house when they say, hey, I've been seeing some weird stuff in here. Yeah. And, I want to move. Yeah. I want yeah. to move. Can you come <clears> pray <throat> over my house? Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah. come over. Let's have some snacks. <laughs> We didn't have any snacks, I think. We didn't have any snacks, no. We just prayed and left. Yeah, got yeah. out of there very quickly. So. All right. All righty. So, um, first of all, I want to ask, I saw on Instagram, you and Tammy got to go to a movie premiere this yeah, week. Can you tell me about that? With Sweetwater, was that the movie? Yeah, so um, we have a couple of directors um, at our church now and a growing Hollywood uh, population that attends and follows Sandals. So that's, that's awesome. kind of cool. Yeah. And um, went to go support my friend's movie, Sweetwater. Um, be praying for it. It's not doing well. Mm. And so... Um, you know, movies cost millions of dollars to make. Yeah. And uh, my buddy's stressing out a little bit because I didn't realize how much money it takes to make movies. But I, I thought yeah. it was a good movie. And I was a little concerned, you know, because America's past is racist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the reality. And But I, I thought that it, it portrayed the reality of racism really well, but it, but it ended very hopeful. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't feel shamed, you know, as, as a white person, which sometimes when I watch those things, I just feel like, God, you know. Um, I'm everything about me is terrible, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and I think it dealt with the reality of racism, um, you know, color barriers in sports, um, had some beautiful stuff about the, the origin of the Harlem Globetrotters that I didn't oh. know about. Um, I thought it was great. And I did not know that the first black player in the NBA's name was Sweetwater. And I think that's mm-hmm. the sad thing is that he just kind of got lost in history. Yeah. And, um, he's a real guy and, uh, it's interesting. The movie opens with the character Sweetwater is talking to Jesus. Jesus is in the back of the cab. It's Jim Caviezel. Uh, <laughs> my wife's like, he's not Jesus. I'm like, he is to me. Um, <laughs> so uh, for those who don't know, is is it Jim Caviezel? So he plays yeah. Jesus in The Passion, um, but uh, he's in the backseat of the cab. And so Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel okay. And so uh, it was a fun movie. I had a great time. We got to meet the cast. Um some of my, one of my favorite uh, actors I've met is from Dumb and Dumber. He's the gas man uh, that's trying to hunt down uh, Harry and Lloyd. And so he was in the line with us and I was like, how's he know I got gas? And so <laughs> he just kind of laughed at me. Uh, one of my favorite actors from Jaws, uh, oh, what's his name? Richard Dreyfus was there. That oh, dude what? is short. Oh, he's tiny. I, I, I mean, and, and no offense to anybody who out there who is vertically challenged. <laughs> That dude is tiny. I had no idea how short he was. 
Uh, got to meet some some other actors. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. That oh. dude is not short. I was like, that's like the exact opposite. I I mean, he lumbers. Yeah. So I was telling my parents, he, my parents are the same age as Kareem or Kareem is the same age as my parents. I asked my mom, who is not five feet tall anymore. Mm-hmm. I said, can you imagine being seven two at your age? No. And I, I just can't imagine what that's like. And so I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he fought Bruce Lee in one of my first movies I ever watched. So That's I know. So it was great. Um, you know, when Sweetwater comes out, uh, go see it. it yeah. It's a good movie. I think I saw uh, it. It's on, I think it's at the Riverside Plaza over here. Yeah, I saw it's, it on their little, it's already out. It's already it out. It did okay. well. So, um, but my, my friend is, is a good guy and he's a great guy. And, and just know there are Christians that are trying to be light, uh, in a very, very dark world. And, um, and make actually good movies. I yeah. Feel like Christian movies yeah. get a really bad rap because sometimes they are not. Well, good. and he doesn't just make Christian movies. Yeah. Like, so he has a movie on Netflix called Blue Miracle, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's made, he's made some great movies. And so, um, just got a lot of conviction. And then, um, Glenn Keane was there who you will know him because he invented, uh, Ariel and oh, the beast. My girl. Um, I think he directed Rapunzel. No, what's the one with the, the girl with the long blonde hair in the tower? Oh, Tangled. Tangled. So he directed Tangled, Tarzan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was a big Disney guy. So okay. Glenn was there. He's a fantastic guy. That's cool. um, he has a new project coming, coming out about the crea- creation story, which I actually think we I have was a like, question that's our, about. Uh, first question. Yeah. So Glenn is actually making a movie about the creation story oh, about God. Awesome. And so uh, super talented people in our church. It just, it, it just amazes me um, how God has drawn just such incredible people to our church. And it was, it was, yeah. it was great. My wife looked fantastic. Um, there was a bunch of rich dudes there. I was like, don't leave me for a billionaire, please. <laughs> um, yeah, cause she, my wife was being noticed, you know, which, um, you know, part of that's great. And part of it's like, I'm a poor pastor. <laughs> remember um, what I had said when we got married? Yeah. You remember be poor? We, we married for love. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't leave me as far as I know. No, no. She came home with you. Well, right now she's, she's in Idaho. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to ask her. Well, she didn't run away to Hollywood. So I think you're, no, she ran away to Idaho, which is a strange place to run away to. Yeah. Except for our listeners in Idaho. Thank you. Keep tithing. <laughs> All right. So let's, speaking of the creation story, I want to go and hop into our first question mm-hmm. here. So Steve wrote in and said, why are Christian pastors not teaching the creation story as it's written in the Bible? It seems like a lot of pastors are not preaching six literal days and except, instead are accepting evolutionary theory for creation in the age of the earth. Pastor Matt, what do you think about the creation story as it's written in the Bible? Right. So Steve, um, let's unpack your question. Why are Christian pastors not teaching the creation story I would put an asterisk here and I would say, as you understand it. Mm. So Christian pastors are diverse. Um, what the church has taught about the creation story has varied from uh, century to century. Our understanding has been greatly shaped based upon Greek thought. And so a lot of what we understand as the creation story is interpreted through a Greek understanding, not a Hebrew understanding of what the text says. So here's the first challenge, Steve. Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two are two creation stories. Mm -hmm. So probably two rivaling Christian stories within Judaism or adopted from other cultures that are older than Judaism, but made their way into the text. And so when you read Genesis, you know, everything prior to Abraham is is pre-Jewish history. So the story of Noah, that's not Jewish history, that's, that's earth history. Uh, the story of Babylon. You know, these are not Hebrew stories. These are stories that predate uh, Judaism and their understanding. Uh, probably even, you know, the story of Adam and Eve, um, the story of Cain and Abel. Um, I don't know what, what I'm missing. So, but Judaism really starts in Genesis 12 with the call of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And who is he? He is not Jewish. He's Middle Eastern. 
um, and he's called out to follow God, but he's called out to follow a God that he has some understanding. And so Genesis 1 and 2 are probably two rival stories within um, what was considered um, orthodox, acceptable. And so that's really hard for us as Westerners to understand because we live in a black or white uh, mm-hmm. culture, but Middle Eastern culture, Asian culture is both and. And so two things can seem to contradict but agree in Jewish thought, and that is very hard for us in our Western thinking, um, you know, where things things are black or white. And so when we come to, you know, this thought, we just say, well, how can there be two creation stories? Well, the people who put that in there and said, look, these are both true. I mean, I wasn't there when they put them in there. And so, you know, God has worked through, and Jesus affirms both. I mean, you know, Jesus affirms uh, Genesis chapter 1 when he talks about marriage. I mean, he quotes from Genesis one twenty seven, so it has to be authentic. And, and I mean, if Jesus affirms it, I, I affirm it. And, you know, Jesus is, is the new Adam. So that affirms Genesis 2 story that, you know, uh, because Genesis 1 does not name Adam like uh, Genesis uh, 2 and 3 and 4, where, you know, Eve gets her name after the fall. A lot of people don't realize that. Her name prior to that is Ish. <laughs> which means woman, ish. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and so um, Eve is her name because she's the mother of all living creatures, which is what Eve means. Uh, Adam can mean uh, man, mankind, or can mean mud. So out of the mud, God creates mm-hmm. mud man or dirt man, uh, which I love to call Adam Atchison, Pastor Adam <laughs> Atchison, dirt man. So uh, he's from Modesto, so I think it works. Um, so, so, so Steve, you know, here's what I would say. Some of what you've been taught is, is true, and some of what you've been taught is 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 been presented um, within your denomination's understanding. Um, you know, and so let me give an example of that. A lot of Christians want to know about the rapture. The rapture is something that is only taught in Western Christianity and those who uh, learn the Bible from something that's called a Schofield Bible. There is no teaching on the rapture. It does not occur until the 1830s. A woman has a vision. Schofield begins to work through this vision. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you just need to know. Until 1830, no one talked about the rapture. There's only four passages in the Bible that that, that allude to it. Um, and then there's this whole theology, this whole thinking, this whole understanding, this whole interpretive framework. But if you go to Europe or you go to the Orthodox Church or even in Catholicism and they're not going to know what you're talking about mm-hmm. because it is a schism of Western theological understanding. And so so we have to understand this, that just because I've been taught something does not mean that all Christians have, have taught this or believe this. It could be something that has been taught for a period of time. It's something that have, could have been taught in a select group of Christians. And so, you know, there are billions of Christians on earth, billions, that's with a B, um, and so we have to be careful that what we assume is what's being taught is not that's what's been taught for all time. So here's the debate in, in uh, for Steve's question is, is, is the, uh, the Hebrew word yom, which is the word for day, um, so hayom, the day or today, mm-hmm. um, is, it, is it a literal 24-hour period or is it figurative? The problem, Steve, is that Genesis 1 is poetic. Yeah. And so we have to be very, very careful when we, when we, when we read poetry, you know, is this literal or is it poetry? And so poetry is, is something that, you know, is used to describe an event um, in a way that, that, that 
teaches truth, but it's not literal. Poems mm-hmm. are not literal, but they are truthful. Mm-hmm. They do communicate truth. And so, um, so that's the debate, Steve. So, um, you know, I, I lean towards God did something in six literal days, whether or not that was the creation of all of the heavens and all of the earth or like, um, Dr. Selhammer, who writes, uh, I think the name of his book is Genesis is Unpacked. We've talked about his book many, many times on this show. If you guys can Google that, Dr. Selhammer, it's no longer in print. I think I paid 250 bucks for my copy. Genesis Unbound. And so really what that is, Steve, is unleashing the text to interpret the words for what they say, not to interpret the words for what we've been taught they mean. Mm. And so what Dr. Selhammer um, really, really championed is that the text should be interpreted by its words, not by our understanding or um, how it's been understood for centuries. And like I said, so much of our understanding of the creation story and actually heaven and hell are shaped more by Greek thought than they are by the scriptures. Hmm. You know, um, you know, where do we get this idea of people being burned and tortured for all eternity? That, that's Greek thought, mm-hmm. not, not really what you, you see in the text. Um, you know, um, Jesus says, you know, you don't want to go there. And he does say some things. There's going to be a weeping and gnashing of teeth, the place where, you know, um, the maggot does not die. Okay. You got me, Jesus. You know, I'm I don't want to go there, but this idea of a pitchfork and burning fire forever mm-hmm. and all that stuff really comes out of Greek thought, then medieval thought. And it's more shaped by Dante in his Inferno, mm-hmm. which is poetry. Yeah. Um, and, and so what I mean by poetry, it's, it's like it's like us choosing to understand the Bible today through a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't have movies, but Dante had a play. He had he he could write a poem, and so oftentimes things you know shaped Christians' beliefs. Uh, and something very very popular can shape our belief rather than the text. Yeah. So um, you said it seems like a lot of pastors are not teaching six literal days, and the answer for that is Steve is is we just don't know. Yeah, the word is yom. It, it typically means uh, translated a 24 hour period. But Peter says a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Yeah, That's an actual verse. So, um, you know, is Peter responding to the creation story? We don't know, but there is a text that would allow us to have some wiggle room in terms of the literal nature of Genesis one. Um, I lean towards six literal days. And then you said... Um, yeah, they, or the accepting evolutionary theory for creation. Right. And so, you know, um, species are changing. Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing this. Um, things are changing. Right now, um, like you have little kids. Little kids' jaws are changing. Right mm-hmm. before now. So one of the huge problems with, with little kids, and if you're raising them, is they don't eat hard foods. Everything you give a child is soft. So what's happening? The, our jaws are shrinking. Our facial muscles are shrinking. Our faces are changing. Hmm. Our, our body is evolving because we're not forcing them to chew hard things. So if you're concerned, if you have a little kid and you're concerned about your child's face, make them chew jerky. Like hmm. I don't, you don't want them to choke, but, but everything shouldn't be soft. P- part of what's important in the development of children is they need to learn to do hard things. Our bodies respond and change to hard things. Mm -hmm. Like go Google a picture of what they think people will look like in 50 years that just stare at computers all day. Our skin will change. Our Mm -hmm. eyes will change. Our, our bodies will change because our bodies adapt to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Now, 
is that evolution operating outside of the will of God? No, God has created species, humans, to be able to adapt to the conditions that they face. And so it's why kids all have to have braces today. You think, well, what on earth did people, you know, have to have braces? Well, they didn't because they chewed hard things. And, um, you know, our, our bodies can't make room for our wisdom teeth anymore because mm-hmm. our jaws keep shrinking. And so that's something that we can see right now, right here. Um, so what Dr. Selhammer talks about, because his daughter went to MIT and she kind of lost her faith. And so he, he said, look, here's what the text says. And so what he teaches, and so he was my professor, and I'm not saying he was right, but he was influential in my life. He says God did something for six literal days. Um, he, he was working. And so his interpretation is maybe it's the creation of the garden. Maybe it's the preparation of, of the earth for man. Um, there's a great book called The Genesis Enigma, which is written by a non-Christian. And he says Genesis 1 literally lays out evolution. Hmm. Um, and so his argument is, is in Genesis 1, when God says, let there be light, it's not light, it's eyes. It's the evolution of eyes. Hmm. Because when you look at Genesis 1, that the, the sun, the moon, and the stars are already present. Mm-hmm. So why then does he say later, let there be light? Because th- this evolutionary biologist says eyes had not been created yet. And so once eyes are created, the ability to see, then you have species have to develop camouflage, the ability to hunt. So it's an incredible book. And so um, so you said, why aren't they preaching six literal days? It's just because at the end of the day, Steve, is this, does, does accepting Genesis 1 as literal get you into heaven? No. So at the end of the day, what's most important? You're a sinner. Genesis 1, God made it. That settles it. But, and then Genesis 2 and 3, creation has fallen. How are we going to fix that? Um, so the ultimate issue theologically is not how did God make it, but how is God going to redeem a fallen and broken creation? So that's why I would say, and I can't speak for all pastors everywhere, but the big issue is not this, this uh, battle between evolution and uh, Christianity and faith. Uh, there, there's really been, I think, a meeting of the minds. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, you know, evolutionary uh, evolutionists are now seeing God in everything. And, and really what changed that was, you know, the understanding of the DNA strand. Mm-hmm. It's like a computer program. Yeah, it does. It's been programmed by someone and something. And so, you know, when I was a kid, evolution was kind of the understanding. And now evolutionary biologists are going, okay, this looks like code. Mm-hmm. Well, who creates code? A divine mind. Yeah. So they're backing away from this. So I, I think there's less attack from evolutionists and people who just say, well, I believe in science and evolution. They're really not up to date on science and evolution. Mm-hmm. They've, they, they're, they're, they're 20 or 30 years ago because everything changed with the, um, the unpacking of DNA that, that kind of settled it in the community. Okay. There there's design here. Yeah. This is not random. Um, and so that's what Darwin argued for is, you know, these random mistakes that ultimately moved creation forward and, um, I don't think m- most people believe that anymore. Some still do, but you know, they're, they're scientific dinosaurs. Yeah. So, okay. Um, the theory for creation in the age of the earth. No, here, here's what we know about the earth, Steve. It's old. It's really old and it's older than 6,000 years. So it's dangerous theologically to interpret Genesis by adding up all the ages and saying, this is the age of the earth. That is not something that we're called to do. Yeah. So, and Hebrews, it doesn't really produce any yeah, benefit. Yeah, well, and Hebrews are, are not interested in a literal story. The, the, the names that are in Genesis and their ages are to create theological truth and to create a, a, um, a uh, ancestral 
um, connection from the past to the present. It is not a historical book saying, okay, here's how old creation is. Genesis doesn't tell us everything, Steve. For example, who on earth did Cain marry? Yeah. Who did Seth marry? Why is Cain afraid to be banished? Who's going to kill him? Who's going to hunt him? Why does he need a symbol of God's protection on him as he flees? There's other people. There's other people who would be aware of what he did to his brother. So there's more there, Steve, than what the text says. The text is trying to communicate something specifically in the Torah. Why do we work six days and then rest on the seventh? Because God worked six days and rested on the seventh. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why we do it. We're tying our life on earth to God's creative uh, giving of life on earth. And so so that that's where that is. Yeah. Um, so Pastor Matt, what do you think about the creation story as it's written? Yeah. Look, it's, it's the word of God. It has been understood differently at different periods of time, um, you know, and so I, I think that that's changing what's orthodox. And by what what's orthodox, Steve, it's, it's what is accepted as true. Okay, what, what, what fits within um, Christianity. And so here's what fits within Christianity. God did something for six days, six literal days. Um, and, and, and when are you not Christian? When you say God did not do it. God is not the creative element that did all of this. Evolution has no answer for where things started. Mm-hmm. It has an answer for how things are changing. But you, you cannot, I mean, at some point in time, where did matter come from? Where did time come from? Where did these things come from? And God ex- exists outside of space, time, and matter. And Genesis 1 has all of those things coming together. Here's the other thing, Steve, is the universe, and I think most scientists, I actually want to have a, a friend of mine on, on our show uh, who's a scientist, and we can actually ask him these questions. But the universe has a beginning. And it seems to have an end. What does the Bible teach? There was a beginning and there will be an end. And we need to prepare for that. So, Steve, great question. Hopefully I didn't offend you or lose you. But but oftentimes people believe what they've been taught and they think that's what everyone else who's a Christian on earth mm-hmm. believes. And there's just more diversity to that within the Christian community. So, yeah. Well, and I just love that point you made that something doesn't have to be literal to be truthful. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you apply that to how you're reading this and how you're seeing that, right. you can get so much more out of it because mm-hmm. it, it is truthful what it's saying, but it's not necessarily a literal yeah. yeah, word by word account of everything. Yeah. If I write a poem about my wife and I say, she's the most beautiful woman ever. Yeah. It's true to me, but you know, there's a couple other billion guys on earth that could vote and have a different opinion. Yeah. They might think their wife is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so things, you know, don't have to be literal, you know, mm-hmm. and the Bible says, you know, um, you know, her, her feet are like that of a doe and her teeth are like a goat. Okay. Well, <laughs> you take that literally. That's not a that love poem. Anymore. It's not a love poem, but, but it, but it did mean something then, mm-hmm. you know, her hair was like that of a horse's mane. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, you know, so we, we have to, we have to leave room for, okay, it meant something then and we're going to, do the mm-hmm. best that we can to understand that now. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and here's the other thing, Steve, is I just think most pastors recognize they're not scientists. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, what do we affirm in, in our uh, series starting next week? She, her, we're going to be in Genesis 127. God affirms the binary nature of gender, male and female. And so, so that's something that, you know, so I, do I affirm that? Yes. Jesus affirmed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So, 
Uh, great question, Steve. Yeah. Um, hopefully you'll stay at Sandals. <laughs> All right. So Leanne wrote in and said in episode 193, you were asked about women being pastors. Mm -hmm. You said it was unbiblical and talked about the order of creation and gave specific passages that you feel back that up. But in the 200th episode, you said you do believe it's biblical for women to be pastors and share passages that you feel support that idea. My question is, did you change your perspective? If so, what caused you to believe differently? I may have misunderstood what you were saying somewhere along the way and would appreciate it if you could clarify what you believe the Bible says about women pastors. Yeah, thank you, Leanne. Man, you panicked me. I had to go back and listen to episode <laughs> 193. So episode 200, I was not prepped for those questions. Um, so uh, my lovely uh, debrief team loves to give me diarrhea. And so they just... I wonder, The question about women pastors was from your wife, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it? I love my <laughs> wife. So uh, she loves to give me diarrhea as well. So I wasn't prepped for that. So I, I, I went back and listened to both episode 193 and episode 200. And I think here's where the confusion lies. At Sandals, we use the term pastor to describe the top leadership. Um, so, so that's why... So. If the, if the word pastor is what we're going to use for the highest level leadership of Sandals Church, can a woman be in that position? No. Here's the challenge. In the Bible, the word poimen, pastor, is not the word that the Apostle Paul uses for the highest level of leadership in the church. That word is elder and or presbyter or bishop. So uh, poimen is pastor, uh, which is found in Ephesians uh, 4.12, which there are offices um, that God God has given these gifts to the church, Paul says, to build them up for the work of the ministry. Um, Paul does not use the word presbyter, and he does not use the word uh, presbyteros, and he does not use the word episkopos in Ephesians 4.12. So again, the Bible's a puzzle, and we have to put those pieces together. So the top leadership position in the church, I believe, should be a male. Both Titus says this, Paul says this to Titus, Paul says this to Timothy. However, can women be pastors? Can women shepherd the flock? Uh, can women teach? Man, in, in Titus, right after he gives the list of elders, he says that women should teach. Mm -hmm. So the assumption is that it's other women, but the text says that they should teach, and they do teach. Um, and so we're, that's why, Leanne, we're going to go through this series, and we're going to unpack it. And so uh, the Bible is full of women who teach, who lead, who prophesy, and who speak. And the Bible says, Leanne, that a man should be the top role, um, both in the home and in the church. So where I think some of the confusion comes is oftentimes when we read, the man is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. What I was trying to talk about there is that the word head can mean not just something vertically, but something horizontally. And the way we use that in, in language is, I could say, um, you know, I'm the head. So Rosh in Hebrew, I'm first. So in Hebrew, Rosh means first or head. Um, but it can also mean things got to come to a head. Mm. So it, it, it's, it's a place of joining and connecting. And so all I was trying to say, Leanne, is that the word can mean both head in the way that we understand it first, or it can mean the place where which things come together. And so I think that's why Paul chose that word, because it means both. And so... Men are to be the place where we come together for God in the church as a leader, and men are to come together to to make the family one, and um and so um so I, I apologize for the confusion. That's why we're Leanne. That's why we're going to do a whole series on this because um, I want to um, specifically say what we believe as a church, and so um, you know this is the this is the problem. You know, like why Saddleback, one of our sister churches, and uh, Saddleback was uh, helpful in 
uh, starting Sandals Church. They were one of our supporting churches. You know, they got kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention because they've ordained women as pastors. And, you know, so in, in Southern Baptist life, you know, pastor is the highest position. Um, but at Saddleback, like at Sandals, they are elder led mm -hmm. and those are all men. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, um, a confusion of terms. And so just like if you're Catholic, you would say, well, why don't we have priests? Well, the Bible says we're all priests, both men and women are priests. Mm -hmm. So we believe in what's called the priesthood of believers, plural, all believers are priests, uh, serving God, which again, goes back to Celine's question. It's why our children must operate their bodies like it's the temple of God because you are a priest and your body is the temple. And so we, as Christians, um, treat our bodies sexually in a way that honors the creative story of God. Back to Steve's question. <laughs> like, well, it's all yeah, coming it, together. It all comes together. Um, and so, um, and sex is not just pleasurable, but it's powerful. It creates life. And so, right, so what happens when you have sex out of creative order, then you have abortion. And now I have to exterminate a child that I did not want. So I want to engage in the pleasurable side of sex, but I don't want to handle the powerful side of sex, which is it creates life. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's why God regulates sex for the Christian. Mm -hmm. This is this is how you should do it. And, um, you know, we look at what happens in the world when, when they do it their own way. So Leanne, that's a great, great question. And and I apologize. And I, I realize I realize it's confusing, um, you know, and, and what we're going to get into is, so again, it's the both and nature of, of the Hebrew thought in practice. Um, we want things in our Western thought to be black and white, either, you know, either or. Hebrew thought is both and. So who should be the leader of the church? A man. Okay. And, and Paul says in First uh, Timothy chapter 2, he goes back to the creative order and he says, and Eve was deceived. When Eve stepped out of Adam's leadership position and she made the decision, creation fell. Okay. Having said that, all throughout scripture, when there are not men, God anoints and calls women to lead. Mm. So in, and let me just give you another example of that. In Hebrew culture, what's the most important child? Does anyone know? The firstborn. First or firstborn. Yes, firstborn. Who does God repeatedly choose? Not the firstborn. Mm. Right? Mm. So Esau was first. Jacob was second. Mm. Who did God choose? Jacob. The secondborn. So God can sovereignly intervene and do as he chooses to bring about his plan. Mm -hmm. So Isaac thought Esau was the choice. He's the firstborn. Mm -hmm. God intervened and picked Jacob, who, by the way, Jacob is a liar. Yeah, it's like kind of tricky. Jacob, Jacob <laughs> yeah. is a disaster. Um, but Jacob's name is changed to Israel. He who wrestles with God, that's what the name means, mm -hmm. and creates the people of Israel. And so we, we see this constantly. Joseph, who's the son that saves Israel. It's not the firstborn. It's not the secondborn. It's not the third. It's not the fourth. It's not the fifth. It's not the sixth. It's not the seventh. It's not the eighth. It's not the ninth. It's not the tenth. It's the eleventh. God chooses Joseph, but who, who, do, who, who does he love? It's not Joseph. It's Benjamin. So, right, so the father's favorite is not the one that God used to save. Mm -hmm. So God can intervene and, and do as he chooses um, and so, and, and if you struggle with that, what does it take to make a baby? Does anybody know? No one in here knows? Both men and women? Or yeah, my, my son-in-law's in here. He's like, oh. He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, what, what does it take? Sex. 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 Yeah. You need a man with a penis and a woman with a vagina 
mm-hmm. right? How do we get Jesus? God did his own thing. Mm-hmm. God is sovereign and God can do his own thing. So God can say, men, you should be the leader. Men, you should be the pastor. And God can choose Deborah. Mm-hmm. And God can choose Hulda. And God can choose uh, Jason's four daughters to prophesy in the book of Acts. God is sovereign and he can create a rule and then do what he chooses to make sure that the gospel continues. Hmm. Right? So God, what, what does God think about prostitutes? Is that good? Is that a good thing? If you're listening, I'm, I'm looking at my, my people. So <laughs> prost- we, we would all agree prostitution is not a good thing. Yes. And yet in Jericho, who does God save? Rahab, Rahab the prostitute who becomes the great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Mm -hmm. God can redeem what he chooses to redeem. God can call what he chooses to call. God God can do these things because God is sovereign. God is in control. And so when people say, well, can a woman be a pastor? I would say that usually no, unless the Lord does something extraordinary and anoints a woman Mm -hmm. um, like Deborah to lead, like Hulda to teach like Mary, to birth the Savior. Mm-hmm. God can do what he chooses to do, but we need to raise our men to lead. We need to raise our men to be strong. We need to raise our men to know the word of God. And we need to make room for the anointing of the Lord when God clearly allows a woman to teach or a woman to, to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, if you ask me, can a woman be a general? Well, is her name Joan of Arc? I'm going to go with Joan. She's a phenomenal leader. Typically, dudes lead better on the battlefield. That's not sexist. That's just reality. Okay? I mean, someone comes in my house, my wife's getting behind me. You know, that's that's the way we've made us. Now, you know, maybe, you know, you're a CrossFit woman and you're going to step up. It's just, it's just, we have to, we have to just say that, look, God created sexes. He created gender and he made men to be men and we need to challenge that and, and, and lift that up and, and, and call men to be men. But we need to make room for the anointing of God. Um, you know, we had Lisa Bevere speak on Mother's Day a couple of years ago. She's mm-hmm. an extraordinary speaker. Southern Baptists don't think women should teach. The best Southern Baptist teacher in the last 20 years is Beth Moore. Mm-hmm. It's not close. <laughs> it's not close. Sorry, Southern Seminary. It's not close, <laughs> man. She's the best. She's a scholar. Uh, she's a great teacher. God has used her to transform and change lives, but she doesn't have a penis. So what do we do? We say, okay, the Lord, the Lord has anointed something here, mm-hmm. and 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 we're going to we're going to accept that. Um, you know, even in my own denomination, <clears throat> that does not ordain women. They, I mean, they would kick us out for the ordination of women as pastors, and yet our two largest offerings are the Annie Armstrong offering and the Lottie Moon offering, and they both represent women who were missionaries. Mm -hmm. There's no word missionary in the Bible. It's apostle. (laughs) Apostle is to be sent out. Mm -hmm. And so, look, I mean, look what we do. And uh, most people don't know this, 70% of all missionaries are women. And it's just, it's just, so, so we, we just have to understand. And so would we, would we, would we tell a woman, no, you, you shouldn't go to China, Lottie Moon, because you, you, you have the wrong genitalia. And, and why are there, why are there more, think about this, why are there more Christians in China today than there are in America? People don't realize that. <laughs> women. Women went. Mm-hmm. 
women pastored, women shepherded, women were elders, women were teachers, and they went. And there's more Christians in China today than there are in America. And people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And it's because God used women and he ordained them. Because what's more important, our gender or the gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four gospels, they don't agree on all the details. They all agree it is women who proclaim the Mm -hmm. first gospel. It it just is. I mean, you can throw the Bible at me all day long. It's what what it is. Um, And why did Jesus tell the women? Because that's who was there. Yeah, that's who showed up. Yeah. <laughs> that's who showed up. So when we have women that are showing up and stepping up, mm-hmm. you know, it's like years ago, man, oh my gosh, I spoke at a Asian Christian Fellowship at UCR and I met the president and he's a white dude. And I was like, I'm confused. <laughs> and I, I asked all my Asian friends, I'm like, why is the white dude president? And they're like, he's the only one that ran. And they're like, we had to have a president. I'm like, okay. He's a white dude with red hair. And he was the president of American Christian, or excuse me, Asian American Christian Fellowship at UCR. I was like, okay. You know, and so, you know, and they just, they rolled with it. I was like, all right. So, um, you know, should we raise and teach our men to be pastors? Absolutely. But what do we do uh, if the strongest communicator and leader happens to be a anointed woman? You pick, you pick yeah. the worst dude. That's smart. Yeah. Let her do her thing. We're going to go yeah. with... Uh, Ted over here, he can't read, can't write, can't speak, but he has the right genitalia. He's a guy. Or we could listen to a message and be inspired and be challenged. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing for strong women to honor the word of God and um, to utilize their giftedness. It's Mm -hmm. a challenge. But, I mean, it's a challenge with what I do, man. I mean, I can win every single argument with my wife ever. I'm a better litigator. I'm a, I'm, I could destroy her and I could have a crappy marriage. Mm-hmm. I have to figure out how to lead well. It's a challenge for me too. So, so I just want to say it's a challenge for women. It's a challenge yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Uh, man, great questions. Yeah. And so you've alluded, I want to just get your like final take on this. You've alluded a lot to this She, Her series that's yeah. starting soon. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and basically what you're trying to accomplish, what you want to teach us through that series? What's well, coming? I think there's, there's two things, um, you know, so the first thing is, is that gender is binary and that as Christians, we just, I mean, that, that we go back to Steve's question. That's where biology and the Bible agree. There, mm-hmm. There's no biologist that thinks that gender is fluid. Mm-hmm. Like um, <laughs> when you're born, the doctor's not doing the best he or she can. <laughs> like, you know, they're not like, we're going to mark this down, but who knows? They, they know. <laughs> You know, they know uh, with, you know, the, the exceptions, exceptions from after yeah. us, you know? Um, so, um, you know, gender is binary and, um, and, and God has used women. And so I'm going to use stories that I think are going to blow people's minds. And so, um, and like your husband had a great question. I think we then need to do a series, uh, at some point called he, him, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a man of God? And so, yeah. um, because you know, there's a, there's a male crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we need to affirm women and their beauty and we need to affirm men and, and their beauty. I mean, you can say, I mean, I say that to boys all the time. Like, you know, like your son, I say, oh, he's so beautiful. Well, you know, you don't, I don't want to say that to these guys because it'd be <laughs> weird. Oh, you, Michael's beautiful. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but both men and women are, are beautiful in, in the eyes of God. And so we, we want to affirm that. So great question. Yeah. All right. We got one more. Okay. All right. All right. 
So Bailey wrote in and said, in your latest podcast episode, the book of Revelation is talked about. We're going all the way from uh, Genesis Revelation here today. At the end of the discussion, you joked about being too scared to do a sermon series on it. It seems like social media is overflowing with scary clickbait videos on the end times, and I'm tired of being caught up in the fear and urgency of these claims. Are there any words of wisdom you could pass on to people like me on the subject of the end times? Are there other sermons or books you would recommend for those of us who would like guidance in this area? Yeah, so everybody who's ever taught on the end times has been wrong. Okay. In, 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 in the entire history of Christianity, not one pastor has been correct. Okay. So what are the chances? <laughs> so what are the chances that you're going to nail the it? person you're listening to right now on social media? What are the chances that they're correct? Yeah. N- nobody knows. And, and let me just say this, man, for all these Christians who are, you know, we made a joke the other day. I, I love Babylon B, man. It, it, it literally, I, there's two things I, I want in the morning before I read my Bible, coffee and Babylon B. <laughs> Um, and the Babylon Bee's made fun of me, by the way. So yeah, yeah, it's fine. When I had Mark Driscoll on the podcast, yeah, they made, they made fun of us, um, which is fine. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, you don't know yourself. So, um, uh, what was I saying? You said you love the Babylon Bee. We're going to talk clickbait on the end times. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it just, it had a, a picture of, um, persecuted Christians in Asia praying for Americans because we can't go to Disneyland. And it was just like, <laughs> it was hilarious. And, and so here's the thing for, let me just, let me just, let me just put this out there for everybody who feels like this is the end times and you had to get the vaccine shot and that's the mark of the beast. What do we say? Was it 15 years ago? I, I don't remember. What do we say to those 21 men on the beach of Alexandria who were beheaded by ISIS because they were Christians. So, so talk to me about what you're facing right now. Mm-hmm. Like just, I mean, help, help, help me understand how what you're facing right now is as bad as those dudes who all 21 of them got their heads cut off because they wouldn't renounce Christ. That was like, was it 10 years ago? Um, They're on the beach in orange suits. They, they cut their heads off. They were Coptic Christians. Yeah. Coptic Christians have been persecuted for 2,000 years. 2,000 years. 2015. 2015. So get over yourself and, and your little latte violations and just understand the church has been hunted by the beast in Revelation, and that beast is not some future president. It was a real beast that was hunting a real church in Rome who were being burned heads were cut off, their children were being sold into slavery, their lives were ruined because of their faith in Christ. The book of Revelation didn't just not mean anything until today. It meant something to the church in Rome, and they were being hunted by Nero. And 666 may have a number today. And by the way, you want my take on it? It's probably AI. It's probably chat GBT. That's probably, it ain't Trump, and it's not Biden. It's probably some here's what I think. I mean, I think that there's God created us in his own image and we send, I think we're going to create AI and it's going to kill us. That, that's what I think. I think when we try to mimic what God does, it's what destroys us. Mm-hmm. God gives us sex to create life. We do it our way and it, it brings death. God creates us. We create artificial intelligence. I, I, that's If 666 means anything in the actual number 666, that's the actual number in the Greek. If it means anything today, it's some kind of computer code. And it's probably some kind of convergence of artificial intelligence and human life. It's not your social security number. It's not, I mean, but I could, I'm probably wrong just like everybody else, but that's what I think. Um, You know, but, but all these guys, here's what they're doing. They're scaring you to build their church and build a following. Mm -hmm. They don't 
No. Yeah, it's clickbait. I, I listened yeah. to a pastor say this, and this is a famous pastor, and I actually like a lot of things that this guy does. He said 100% Israel's at war right now. He said that last weekend, 100% Israel's not at war right now. Yeah. 100%. They are not at war right now. Like, you'll know when they're at war. Everyone will know. You're, you're not, you're not going to be, you're not going to need to put the pieces together. Yeah. You know, um, and so we, we just, we just got to understand. And, and, and some of these things, you know, well, how do we know when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the temple? I don't know how to be any clearer than that. You know? Yeah. When someone who makes them out, out to be God is standing in the temple. Okay. But I feel like that's a pretty good clue. Yeah. Like, and well, I don't know. So, so most of these guys are, are trying to scare you. Yeah. So, so are we in the end times? Yes. And we have been since Jesus left. Mm. The end times started when Jesus ascended to heaven. We're in the end game now. Yeah. This is the end game. And, and so why hasn't Jesus returned? Because one of you knuckleheads needs to give your life to Christ. And when the full number of the elect have been saved, he'll return. Specifically, by the way, the full number of the elect are of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Zechariah says that there will be at least 10 people represented from every ethnicity. Why 10? That's the number to create a synagogue. There will be at least 10 men from every tribe, every tongue, every nation who give their lives to Christ. Jesus Christ came to save all nations, mm -hmm. all peoples, not just Americans who had a good run when everybody thought the way that we thought was the way. That's not what they think anymore. Yeah. And we have got to figure out how to engage with culture. We have to make a better argument. We have to win. That's what the church had to do for hundreds of years. So we went from being hunted to converting the Roman Empire, not because we won elections, but because we won hearts. We changed lives. And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to change America by making a stand on abortion. Adopt. Help out single moms. Do whatever you can to help women choose life. That's mm -hmm. how you change the world. Absolutely. That's how you change the world, you know? And so um, there's not one passage in the New Testament that speaks about abortion. But do you know that abortion was extraordinarily common in Rome? Especially if you were a little girl. So you have a little girl, right? I do. Yeah. So, so if Tyler was a Roman, mm -hmm. he probably would have had you take your daughter and set her at the steps of a local temple to die on the steps. And you know who scooped her up? Christians. Mm -hmm. And they didn't care what color she was. They didn't care what ethnicity she was. And then all of a sudden in 30 to 40 to 50 years, we have this church that's every tribe, every tongue, mm -hmm. every nation, because Christians didn't protest abortion. They scooped up unwanted babies and they said, we'll raise them. We'll raise you. And that's how the church became so diverse, hmm. so incredibly diverse. Um, and, and it changed. And again, I'm not saying abortion's right. I'm just saying you don't change anybody by shouting that. Yeah. You change that by actually coming along women who find themselves in a difficult situation. Hmm. And you say, we're going to love you and we're going to be here. And, um, and, and, and let me just say this, change, really changing someone's life is hard. I just, I just finished my next book. It's called... Um, um, everyday miracle. And, and one of my chapters is on, um, healing the broken heart. And, um, I, I have this friend, um, in my life and she's been my friend since we had this ministry called JC's girls. And if you want a good laugh, go back and watch that. Um, you know, but we, we didn't change many prostitutes. We didn't save many porn stars because it's really hard to change people. Mm -hmm. But this gal came out of prostitution and she was changed and, and here's what I learned in that ministry. You can't just save women from that by proclaiming the truth. You save women from that by moving them into your home. Yeah. 
and my friend, she was moved into a home in our church, a husband and a wife. I, 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 I want you to imagine Tyler telling you, we're moving a prostitute into our home. Mm-hmm. And it took 10 years, 10 years. And um, she hugged me for the first time at her 40th birthday. And you say, well, what's the big deal? She didn't want to be touched. Yeah. Male touch, dangerous, mm-hmm. even from her pastor. Mm-hmm. And um, she hugged me for the first time. And that's in, the, it's, it's, it's in my book on, on, on how to heal a broken heart. It took years, mm-hmm. years and years. Um, and she's still not healed. She's healing. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing, guys, is we, we don't change people by screaming at people. We, we change them by inviting them in our homes mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to love you. And, and I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go through this life with you. I mean, that's why I love you so much, Steph. I mean, we've been together I don't know how long. Yeah, long time. So you were, you were a kid when I met you, college yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that you're old now. I'm not saying that. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, I've prayed with but you. But I'm very you know, far from hell. Yeah, yeah, I prayed with you with tears, you know, when you mm-hmm. were like, I don't want to be single. I prayed with you with tears when you got married. <laughs> you <laughs> know, I've, pr- I've prayed with you with tears, you know, um, you know, when you had kids, mm-hmm. I, I called you on Christmas Eve. Do you remember this? I do. Cause yeah. your mom died, you know, and, um, it was Christmas Eve, Yeah. but you're my friend and yeah. I love you and you guys can't tell, but she's crying. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't tell you I was gonna yeah, say that, mom, yeah. but why did I call you on Christmas Eve? Cause you're family. Yeah. And I, and I did not take a lot of calls that day. I know. I'm sorry. No, but uh, I, I wanted yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I, I knew. Family. I yeah. knew. You've lived with me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, and 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 people don't realize that's Christianity. Christianity mm-hmm. is, you know, Stephanie, you're my sister in Christ, and I love you, and and I'm there for you. And we've had you and I've had some hard talks. <laughs> uh, you've you've challenged me. You've mm-hmm. said, uh, man, I don't think you should go with that. Um, <laughs> You know, um, and, and we've been blessed by each other mm-hmm. and it's not perfect and it's messy and it's not easy, but the Christian life transformation does not happen from an altar call. Yeah. It happens from relationship. Yeah. And, and, and you say, well, Pastor Matt, you should give an altar call. Okay. Jesus didn't, God didn't send an altar call. He sent his son. Mm-hmm. And he Relationships people. Yeah. change people. Yeah. And, and, and that's how we change people. And, um. Yeah. And uh, so, sorry I made yeah. you cry, but, no, but, okay. but that's, that, that's life. That's, yeah. you know, th- that, that's how we do this. And so. Um, and I would say on that same tone too, even back to, you know, Bailey's question, what she, where she's getting nervous is what she's seeing on social media. Yeah. And social media will show you the things that it knows you want to look at. Yeah. And so for you, your social media is full of videos about the end times because you've seen those before you've looked at them. So it's telling you this is everything that's out there. Mine is not. Yeah. There's more out there and just be aware of the, the way that social media is built to show you the things that it wants you to see. And it mm-hmm. makes you think that's all that's out there. Yeah. Get into relationship with people who see differently. Look at the Bible for yourself. Get yeah. out of, I think it's cause I do this all the time. I'll spend time on TikTok and I'll do, I need to get off of here yeah. because this is, it's telling me things that I think it thinks I want to hear. Mm-hmm. And you all of a sudden spend a couple hours on there and you're getting real weird about what I you know. believe and what you think. And, and it makes you think that's what everyone thinks. Absolutely. And, and so, not. so here's yeah. the, here's the problem with social media. And I, and I don't know what the right answer is because you know, I'm a libertarian at heart. And so I may not agree with what you do, but I want to live in a country where I get to be who I want to be and you get to be who you want to be as long, as long as that doesn't negatively affect either of us. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of, of morally making people live like me. And I don't want you to make me live like you. Yeah. Uh, that's the beauty of America. Those white dudes with wigs, they, they got a few things right. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we need to stand up for that. But, but the problem is, you know, these algorithms, they know that two, two things 
really affect you. So enragement Mm -hmm. leads to engagement. So if it can make you mad, that's what the computer program knows. And the other thing is if it can make you afraid. Yeah. And so, and then there's sex. So, so enragement, fear, and then horniness, right? So those are the (laughs) things that, that it knows that it can, it can lure you in. Mm -hmm. And, and so their advertising dollars are, are based upon eyes watching. Yeah. And, and so, amount of time you're willing to so look at they thing. don't care. They don't care about your mental health. They mm-hmm. want you to stare at that thing all day long. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so this, this, and so, and so this is a big problem. This is the problem with free. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants everything for free. So these companies have to make money. Mm-hmm. And so when we used to pay for television and, and there used to be advertisers, right? There were limitations on what you could show because they realized when they'd gone too far now, when it's so specific and it's mm-hmm. just, you in the privacy of your own home, mm-hmm. man, let it go. Yeah. And so now you think every boy, everybody, yeah. you know, all I'm be, seeing is this, yeah, this must this be, must all be the end time. There, yeah. And so, you know, and it's like, Oh my gosh, what the other day, Euphrates river's drying. Is they're irrigating it. You know, the book of revelation says it's like, Oh my gosh, they're irrigating it, you know, and, and nothing on my social media has told me about the oh, Euphrates dude. river. Yeah. Just- so, 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 you know, Bailey, are we in the end times? Yeah, we have been for 2000 mm-hmm. years. Could Jesus return tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but none of these guys, gals, they're never right. They're mm-hmm. never right. And nobody goes back and apologizes to all the poor Seventh-day Adventists that sold everything and sat on their roofs waiting. I think it was in the 1920s for Jesus's imminent return. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah. You know, you yeah, sold everything you had and you were sitting on the roof because, you know, Jesus can't lift you up out of your, off the floor. You yeah. got to, he's going to pull people out of the grave. Yeah. But you, you should gotta, probably we, be outside. You know, Jesus is, you know, he could come out of the dead, but he can't lift me off the ground. I got to help him. And, and, and there's multiple movements like this, you know, mm-hmm. out of the Schofield Bible in this, oh my gosh. And so when you, when you read those scriptures through the Schofield lens, guess what you see? That's all. Wow. There it mm-hmm. is again. We are all looking for evidence to support what we already believe. Mm-hmm. That's what social media does. Mm-hmm. Is it, it, it's, you know, so th- this one thing happened, so this must be true. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, this is why, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, people think we're more racist when we're not, it's way less racist, but, but because social media is affirming these things, oh, mm-hmm. this must be happening everywhere. Uh, you know, some Christian was persecuted. Oh, this is happening everywhere. And it's like, look, you know, it's, it's just generating whatever's going to get you to stay on. And we need to know that. So, mm-hmm. so Bailey, I'm sorry. Um, you know, um, and, and I did teach on Revelation, what, a year and a half ago? 2020. Yeah, 2020, yeah. I did teach on it. No, but nobody cared because the, th- people thought the pandemic was over. I just timed <laughs> that series poorly, you know. I wish Putin would have called me and then I would have known, oh, we got to wait until you invade. Um, <laughs> you know, nobody knows who Gog and Magog is. It, I hear all this, it's like, okay, you know. And, and it changes and it has changed, you know, from century to century. You know, a lot of people thought Genghis Khan was Gog and Magog. Well, nobody cares about Genghis anymore because he's dead. And Mongolia doesn't have a, an awesome army, but they did it one time and they were convinced that's who that was. And so, you know, th- these things change based upon, you know, whatever the current enemy is. And so, yeah. yeah. But Jesus is coming, Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, yeah. well, thanks so much for answering all those questions, Pastor Matt. If you guys have questions that you want on the show, especially as we dig into this She, Her series that starts this weekend, we'd love to get those on the show. So please send those in. Pastor Matt would love to answer them and we'll uh, catch you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.